Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Mr. Austin Hartsfield. What's going on, Austin? How are you doing? Uh, Zips projections are out, which is one of my favorite times of the year. I always get excited, and especially when we get to talk to the person that created the system in the first place. Definitely. We have a little bit of a holiday gift for Padre fans, if you will. Uh, Mr. Dan Zimborski is here, going to talk some Zips projections. What's going on, Dan? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's it's a holiday gift because at the moment Padres fans like me. I can't <laughs> I can't say that was always the case. Like when we were talking about first, you know, the Kemp trade, which, <laughs> which had a lot of Padres fans not liking me, and then fewer fans, not quite as many, didn't like me when when I was on about the Hosmer signing. What about what about Trey Turner and Will Myers though? I don't think there was <laughs> as I forgot about that. Yeah, they were mad at me for that too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, well, two years later, I said, "Isn't it funny that the Rays, uh, that that the uh, that the Nationals won a Rays trade of Will Myers to San Diego somehow?" And of yeah. course, I had a lot of people on me on Twitter saying, "No, I'd rather still have Will Myers and Trey Turner." I'm like, "Are you what? What? Yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, things have actually started to pick up here in San Diego, if you will. This team's slowly turning the corner and, and getting more relevant. Give me your just impression, your general impression of the Padres right now and how they're trying to create a competitive team, if you will. Well, I think it is a competitive team. It was a team that going into last uh, last season, I, I didn't think they were obviously a contender or anything like that. But I thought if a few things broke right in you know the same direction, the good way, I think there was a chance they could have reached the edge of the wild card race. That didn't happen in 2019, obviously. They, 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 they finished like, what, 10 games behind my projection or so. Uh, but the fundamental reasons to like the Padres didn't change. Uh, and, you know, every, everyone's a year ahead of time. You have Chris Paddock with a whole year in the in the majors. You have Mackenzie Gore slowly reaching the majors. You have uh, several moves the team has made. They have Tommy Pham, who they didn't have a, a year ago. They have, you know, Craig Grisham, uh, Jerkson Profar. Uh, it's it's a team that looks like they're turning the corner, as you said. And I'm I'm pretty optimistic about them. You know, before we get into the projection system, I want people to actually understand what it is, and I don't think that there's anybody better to explain it than you. Uh, I could go on for an hour. Okay, <laughs> well, well, it's as simple as it's a computer projection system. It's what I hope is a pretty good projection system. It's There's a lot of stuff in it. But, you know, the basic core is that a computer is taking past performance, looking at every player in baseball history to find rough comparable players, extrapolating career curves, you know, guesstimating the future. I hate the word guesstimate, but that's that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, the future is hard. It's foggy. We can only kind of peer through the fog a little bit. Uh, and it comes up with, you know, a bunch of mean projections that are generally less terrible than most ways to predict the future. It's They're still going to miss a lot. Uh, but as a whole, I'm, I'm happy with how it works. And it it's, it's you know, it's, 50, it's the accumulation of, you know, t- on nearly 20 years of work at this point. So... Hopefully people find it useful at times. I, I use it all the time. It's one of my favorite things to look at. And one of my favorite things when they do come out is to look at the historical comparisons. Oh, yeah, and then they're fun. And then 
there's there's always cause there's, there's always some Easter eggs I put in. There's a few names I've changed because they confuse people because people always forget there was kind of a mediocre reliever in the AEs named Bob Gibson. Uh, <laughs> and I, I changed his name to either that, not that Bob Gibson or the other Bob Gibson in my database so that people would stop saying, <laughs> how is he compared to Bob Gibson? Bob Gibson is a Hall of Famer. He's a 30-year-old reliever. Like, no, look. Look, dude, look, look at look at baseball reference. There are more than one Bob Gibsons. It's not that common a name. <laughs> I mean, uncommon a name. I mean, there were two Jeff D'Amico's pitching at the same time. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there were there was Jeff Robinson. There was the one you sort of wanted and the one you didn't want. And there were two Alex Gonzalez's. Uh, I remember uh, I was making I think it was a Cubs fan very angry with me because I was saying I don't know which one the good which one's the good Alex Gonzalez? And he said, well, this one's like, no, I still don't see a good Alex Gonzalez. Which one's the good one? And it was, <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, 1930s. Well, you see the good one. Which one, which one was the good one? The Marlins one or the, 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 I, 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 one? I'm, I'm still not sure. <laughs> uh, to, to make it less confusing, I, I gave uh, the one that was with the Marlins, his Marlins nickname of Seabass. Uh, so he's always compared. He's always Seabass Gonzalez in my database. But, uh, uh they're they're fun because you look up players and there are always some players people don't think are real and sometimes I'll put in like a joke, uh, like uh, what was it? Oh 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 um, for um, there's there for uh, Derek Loveless of the Blue Jays. I put in another character from the old uh, Wild Wild West show oh. because Loveless was one of the bad guys and, and and no one actually picked that up because it was kind of obscure. Uh, but they're fun, I mean, and, and people don't believe that someone named Steve Schartz is a real player, <laughs> which he is, unfortunately. Um, and you know, they get where it's like there's the player. Uh, what was it, Cuddles something? Uh, Cuddles Marshall. Because it's a it's a historical comparison at that age of the player, right? Yeah, essentially, uh, to start making a projection, Zips calculates kind of a baseline of where a player is because you know. The first step of knowing where something's going is where it is at the moment. And it uses, you know, past stats. It uses, it has correctors for things like batting average and balls in play. Uh, it uses stat cast and stat cast type data uh, to try to get a better estimate for a baseline. Then once it has the player baseline, it compares it compared to every other player's baseline at every year in history to, to find out who had similar baseline calculated the same way. Obviously not identically because we didn't have stat cast in 1960. Uh, which means it's not quite identical, but you have an estimated baseline and it compares to the baseline of just everyone at every time uh, going back to the end of the dead ball era for major leaguers and now the late 60s for minor leaguers. So you're a full year removed now, more than a year now, from not having Manny Machado on your beloved, if we can uh, use that word, uh, Baltimore Orioles. How did you feel about how the projections came out for him and just him not being an Oriole as a whole? Well, I was kind of... I'm. It's fine that he's not an Oriole since the plan was parting. It's part of rebuilding. If they weren't going to have Machado and then they used that money to buy you know, a bunch of fourth-tier free agents, I would have been a lot unhappier. But, you know, they have Mike Elias as the GM. They have uh, Sig Maydahl in there. It's it's uh, a rebuilding process. And, yeah, Machado is not part of it, but but hopefully they will find another one. I mean, it, that's kind of hard to do, but I'm, I'm happy with where the Orioles are simply because I, I, I'm fine with the rebuild. I'm not fine with treading water. Yeah, let's let's get a little bit more into the Orioles. They 
Padres recently restructured their coaching staff and they brought in uh, Kirby and Dickerson, former Oriole coaches. Uh, I'd love to hear your impression of both of those guys since, you know, you have a little bit of uh, alliance to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a real impression of Bobby Dickerson. Um, okay. I, he, he seemed fine. He was, uh, he coordinated a lot of the Latin America drafting. Um, if I'm not mistaken and did some coaching down there. Okay. I'm trying to remember all the things. He was one of the guys who had been like all over in, in the, uh, in the organization. I mean, he was the third base coach. Uh, he was, he was coaching, uh, the Phillies, uh, last year or was it the year before? I think it was last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't have a big, I don't have a, a huge impression of these guys. I actually talk to people in Cincinnati more because I live in Ohio. Okay. Uh, okay. Makes but sense. Nothing, no red flags. And that's always an important thing. If I okay. don't hate something, then it's probably okay. <laughs> no, no impression is better than a bad impression, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I tend to be, I tend to be slightly on the opinionated side. So if okay. I'm not raging about something, it's probably fine. Nice. Okay, let's get into the Zips projections, and let's talk about probably the biggest issue right now for this team, and that is Eric Hosmer at first base. Uh, <laughs> they have over $102 million committed to him for the next six years. He can opt out after their three years and <laughs> $63 million. Um, God, what a hideous year he had last year, and especially for a first baseman, someone who's supposed to – provide offensive firepower just i don't know i mean <laughs> i'm in a loss for words because I, I hated the contract when it first came out and it's living to be my fear, biggest fear i mean he's just declining in age the defense is, is going down what is your impression of hosmer and, and is, zips gave him is projecting as a positive the year this year is that just based on track record well positive in the sense that it's not replacement it's better. level. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's, negative. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's not quite the Chris Davis bounce backs. I mean, Zips projected Chris Davis to have two more wins in in 2019 and 2018. It's it's not quite as depressing a quote unquote comeback season, but it's it's likely he could do a little more than he's done in, in San yeah. Diego. It's a little worrying that his plate discipline has gotten worse. Yeah. Uh, he there's always threats to not be a ground ball machine, but he, he still hits like he's Willie May Hayes, Willie Mays Hayes from, <laughs> from major league. It's like Willie Mays Hayes without the speed is what he's become. Uh, and, and it's a signing that I, I pretty much put kind of as the fault of ownership more than Preller. Uh, it's just something that, that the team has to deal with. And it's, it's extremely awkward because he's, likely the biggest problem in the lineup and he's signed for six more years well three more years but let's be honest six more yeah. years because yeah even 339 or whatever it is what is it 339 yeah 339 i can't see him getting if he were a free agent right now he wouldn't get 339 he would yeah. get like he would get like one year four million he'd get like adam jones's contract from last yeah uh yeah last he'd be in japan then, yeah yeah, he'd be in Japan next year. That's that's where Hosmer would be. Uh, and the question is, will the team be able to, and ownership, will the team be able to accept that he is a sunk cause at this point, that they have blown that $144 million, and they're going to get very, very little out of it. So the question is, is do you find a first baseman who can be a significant plus, 
or do you essentially throw good money after bad by not only paying Hosmer, which you have to do either way, but also letting him drag down the team? Because if they looked at their lineup and said, where do we need to make an addition? The answer is first base. Uh, and the question is, do they have the courage to let Hosmer be a right-handed pinch hitter that makes $100 million over the next six years? Or will they just let him drag down the team like the Angels have done with Albert Pujols? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but that's one of the, the big questions they have to ask themselves as an organization. What are we going to do? Uh, what are we? Or how much of a mistake are we willing to accept that we made? You know, we kind of laughed about the Will Myers trade, and if we're looking at problems on this team, somebody's contract that just went from bad to worse, Will Myers is the poster child for that. Um, you know... This is this is a spot on this team. You said, you know, you have to have the courage to make a move. And do you think that it's even a possibility that they can move this Myers contract at all? They can't. They'd have to. The problem is that you can't give them away for free. Uh, so you have to actually essentially agree to pay probably 80 percent of it and get nothing in return. That's essentially where they are with Will Myers. And arguably Myers is more useful than Hosmer is. Yes. Because Myers can, not well, but he can theoretically play center field. He can theoretically play third base. He actually has some use on a roster. I think if the Padres were going to have to choose to release one of them, no, with no question of money or anything about that. I actually think that you actually release Hosmer before Myers. And that might sound odd, except it's just that Myers is just more flexible to a team. There's He can be a fourth outfielder slash Wes Helms-ish third base, first base guy. He, he can do that. He's fine at that. Uh, I, I just don't really see Hosmer as having much use on the team, as depressing as that is. You know, we talked about the historical comparisons. My favorite one, and I think every Padre fan's favorite one at this point, is the Fernando Tatis comp at, <laughs> yeah, right. at his age. I mean, I think that anytime you see Alex Rodriguez's name for a shortstop, it makes you smile from ear to ear. I'm interested to hear your view on him as not a Padre fan, which we don't get to really talk about that much. Uh, you know, what's your kind of view on Fernando Tatis's year and, you know, just him as a whole so far? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He he he's already a star. I mean, he's he he doesn't strike me as like identical to to a Rod. It's just that there's so few shortstops or even third base, second baseman are on that level that there's just few players in history to really compare him to. Uh, in, in a way, uh, if he were a lousier player, his comp would be closer. No, he was a. I mean, he was a star in his rookie season. Yeah, the four ten batting average on balls in play is going to come down because. Nobody has a 410 batting average on balls in play. Uh, Zip's actually <laughs> Zip's actually projecting to have a very high batting average on balls in play. It was like 360, which I was shocked that it was that high uh, because the model that I use actually thought that he should have had a pretty high uh, batting average on balls in play, just not one that was 400 because nobody has a 400. I mean, the best is, is Cobb, I think, like a 366, 367, right around his batting average. Uh, uh, like... Like looking at Zips, Zips using the hit data thought that his major league data should have been a, a 358 betting average on balls in play, uh, which is, you know, 50 points lower than his actual. But 358 is also crazy high. Uh, 
obviously that'll come down as he ages, but I think that was one of the highest of that number for players with 300 uh, plate appearances. Yeah, it was behind only Chris Taylor, of all people. Wow. But uh, yeah, he's a tremendous player. And if it really only needed about 20 more games, and I would have given him my first place vote in Rookie of the Year. Uh, it was just that in 84 games, it, 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 it's, it was hard to get him above uh, uh, Alonzo Soroka. Uh, but yeah. twenty more, twenty more games. I, he, I think he would have had my vote. Yeah, I, I th- that would have been that would have been a really close race if he was able to put up some some more games played and, and produce like he had been. Because just the just the general overall appeal of, of Fernando Tatis, both offensively and defensively, is just something you can't replace. So we'll have to wait and, and hope that he's able to shake these injury concerns that he's had earlier in his career, but it seems like uh, his future is definitely bright. Um, and, 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 you know, oh, and you know what makes me ahead. happy? The Padres did not play any games with his service time. That always yes. makes me happy. And the Mets, did it with, the, the Mets didn't do that with Pete Alonso either. And it, yes. it would be such a Mets thing to, to, yeah, to really. play games like that. It's like, why? it's like, God, I have to praise the Mets, don't I? Yeah, I mean, they did the same thing with Paddock as well, the Padres, and that's that's encouraging. Yeah. They're just, you know, if you make the team out of the spring, you deserve to be there. And, and you know, odds are Mackenzie Gore might have that same opportunity come uh, February, March. So we'll have to wait and see on that as, as well. Let's let's move into the, the bullpen uh, for the Padres, which is projected very high. Uh, in particular, the addition of Drew, Pom- Drew Pomerantz. Zips, the Zips machine really likes this addition. Uh, can you give us a little bit about Pomerantz and whether or not he's able to reproduce the numbers he did in, in Milwaukee? Well, Pomeranz, I mean, he's he's had some pretty, he's had some highlights before in his career. Uh, yeah. He, as a reliever, uh, his his velocity went up like three miles per hour. Uh, I mean, you look at his, at uh, like his average velocity for the year, and it's like 92, 93, but he was hitting 96 regularly in relief, and his strikeout rate just, you know, it blew up a, as a relief pitcher. Uh, I mean, even with his, his awful starting uh, numbers, he still ended up striking out 12 batters a game. Uh, there's there's a lot to like about Pomeranz as a reliever. And uh, I, I think teams have gone away from that proven closer nonsense. So they see a guy like Pomeranz, like, hey, you know what? He's a good reliever. We don't care that he's not a closer. We're going to pay guys who can get batters out really well, whatever their save totals are, whatever their role is. And uh, I don't think the Padres even really outbid by all that much. There was a lot of interest in Pomeranz. And I think part of that is also there's a little bit of it from the uncertainty of what the baseball will look like. Uh, a guy like Pomeranz, who doesn't allow a lot of balls in play in when he's pitching as a reliever, is, is a fairly safe bet no matter what the baseball is. Uh, whereas someone who puts balls in play more like Madison Bumgarner, for example, is more of a risk. You know, you talked about the proven closer role. It's going to be, I feel like it's going to be very hard for Kirby Yates to do what he did last year. I mean, I personally felt like he probably should have won reliever of the year. Uh, is there any chance that we get the same Kirby Yates in 2020 that we got in 2019? Well, it's it's hard for anyone to maintain an ERA around one. Right. Uh, if if, if yeah. you expect relievers to do that, I mean, Mariano Rivero, he didn't, he didn't do that year in and year out. Mariano Rivero was just a really, really good reliever year in and year out. You, you, the best bet is you expect something between two and three, and you just be happy with it that he'll you know strike out fourteen guys a game, not walk anyone, keep the home run totals down, and so it's so it's worse than last year. That's not that's not a big deal. 
But it's interesting. It's interesting that he had such a dominant year and didn't get the recogni- recognition for it. That I guess Padre fans are were hoping he would. I mean, Hader got the NL or the reliever of the year award, and I thought the Yates should have got that, but. You know, it, it is what it is. Let, let's transition into the starting pitching, if you will, and the Zips prediction uh, projections. Uh, Joey Lucchese was is predicted very, very high by the machine. Give us a little bit about Lucchese and whether or not the machine uh, sees growth for this young pitcher. Well, it still doesn't see, you know, a lot of like a huge upside in Lucchese compared to other uh, other pitchers in the organization like Gore, which, of course, who course did get a very, very, very good uh, uh, projection. Uh, but there's 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 a lot to like about him. He doesn't throw that hard, but uh, he 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 does have a good change. He he keeps the ball in the park. He keeps the ball down, and he's not. He doesn't it doesn't like he's striking out five or six guys a game. He still struck out almost a batter a game. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that that he's you know he's a number two starter. He's probably not going to be more than that, but he's probably not going to be less than that. Uh, and it, he's someone who can fill the rotation for a number of years. Uh, He's just a well-rounded picture, I guess, is the best way to describe him. What about Paddock? Uh, Paddock had a dominant first half of the year, kind of fell into a little bit of a uh, bad tendencies, maybe with, with his pitching. He needs to work on a third pitch, if you will. Uh, yeah, this, I've talked. Th- I've talked about Paddock in the third pitch. I do yeah. think it would, it would it would be nice. I think I'm like, in my did I write about it in the Padres elegy? I swear I've talked about Paddock in a third pitch recently. Maybe it was my rookie of the year piece. Yeah, I, if you don't, if I don't know, you probably don't know either. But uh, he, it, it, there's a kind of um, I don't want to say a Kevin Gosman tendency because that sounds like I'm I'm casting shade. But I also really liked Kevin Gosman coming up. Uh, Kevin Gosman's a pitcher who's not quite the same as Paddock. Uh, he came up with 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 he could throw 96 to 98, uh, and he has that 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 hard sinking that that kind of Fosh thing he throws. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but what's always bedeviled Gosman is he's never really had that breaking pitch, that really killer breaking pitch. And I, I would love to see Paddock, you know, develop that kind of pitch. And I think it will give him more consistency as a starting pitcher. And I know, yeah, he's, you can understand that he wants to go with what's worked. Uh, he, he's a guy that never pitched in triple a, he had like half a dozen starts in double a, and he went right to the majors. So you can understand him going with what, what works. Uh, but it's it's really hard for a uh, for a starting pitcher to to not have that third pitch. And I, I do think, from a non-projection standpoint, the projections like him fine. But I think to hit that upside, he's going to need to have a really really reliable, just nasty breaking pitch. So McKenzie Gore does have that third pitch, and he has a fourth pitch, and he has a very very <laughs> high projection for the zip system. You know. Please explain to people that are young, just like you did in the article, just why being compared to Danny Jackson is a good thing. Because I know Uh, people my age probably don't exact, if they don't know anything about baseball, they probably have no idea that that's a really good thing to be compared about. Yeah, Yeah, Danny, see, Danny Jackson, when he came up, he threw hard. uh, He he, he had this this, this, this wonderful slider. uh, And, and... He was, in a lot of ways, a, a, a modern pitcher in that he never, ever was a pitch-to-contact guy. He went up there and he kept the ball down, he kept the ball hard, he kept the ball on the ground. Uh, his his fastball wasn't like it was a, a Nolan Ryan fastball. He didn't throw 98, but he threw, he threw 94, 95, and it was a sinking fastball. Uh, I think 
I'd have to go back and look at it some more, but it was probably closer to kind of a modern two-seamer uh, than, than was generally thrown at the time. Uh, that, but Danny Jackson was really good. Then he, I mean, you look at, if you go back and look at his stats uh, from like 23 to 25, 26, 27, around there, he was a an ace pitcher. He, Saberhagen got more of, of, the, uh, of the credit, but in his first year in Cincinnati, I mean, he was a top five in the Cy Young. Uh, he won like 20... Two games, I want to say, um, but then he started having shoulder problems, and that really affected it. He lost velocity; his he couldn't throw his slider as much, and he kind of declined after that. But that's not what Zips is looking at. Zips is looking at him as a young pitcher, and sees a lot of Gore as like a comparable st- from a st- 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 I'm mumbling a statistics standpoint, uh, which, which which is a good thing because Jackson was a good pitcher. If the Padres get Danny Jackson, they should be happy with that. Yeah, he's probably the best Padres pitching prospect that I've personally seen in my lifetime. Uh, you know, what's your kind of outlook on Gore, and you know, how do you think that he projects for the future? Future. I, I see. He has all the tools of a if a top pitcher in in the majors, and he's he hasn't pitched a lot in the in the minors for obvious reasons, and the team has been very careful with him. Uh, again, for obvious reasons, but he's had tremendous success everywhere he's gone. He doesn't allow home runs, which is a good thing. He His control is not a problem, which it can be for a lot of young pitchers with a lot of talent. Uh, he He's just dominating the minors, and he needs a, chal- he needs a challenge. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that teams have to remember with their top talent. One of the reasons that they, that they move them so quickly is you have to have a guy be challenged or they're not really learning anything. Uh, and uh, I, I think that Gore, I mean, I think he'll be in the majors pretty quickly. Nice, nice. Let, let's stick to Gore's uh, partner in crime, if you will, and that's Luis Patino, who's also got a very high projection from the Zips machine. Uh, dominant fastball, awesome slider, working on the change in the curveball, also another pitcher who has four-pitch repertoire. Give us a little bit about, about Patino and, and what the Zips machine sees in him. Well, Patino, well, Patino of course, also – Picked excellently in, in, in the minor leagues. Uh, again, he doesn't have an extensive resume, but he did really well, you know, in, in high A ball this year. He also is another guy who doesn't allow home runs at all. And of course, that's easier in the minors because they don't have the crazy offensive environments, uh, except for the California League. Once until you get up into the uh, AAA's after their adoption of the major league ball. Uh, but Zips translates him very strongly. I mean. The computer doesn't know about him as a prospect. It just knows his his, his stats, and mm-hmm. so obviously there's a you know a, an error range there. There's there's some pretty big bars, uh, but there's nothing about his scouting report that draws any red flags. Uh, let let so, me ask you something, Dan. Does, does the does the machine factor in age mean that the team no, it does. The was nine? Okay, so seeing that he was so young, yes. pitching against. Okay, awesome. Yeah, if if he were twenty four, it'd probably be a little more conservative. If he was say a twenty four year old in, in okay, able. and the thing, it, what it doesn't know also is that he really hasn't been pitching all that long. Uh, which, yeah, really, which might which might be a good thing too because he never had you know like a college coach or something you know throwing him out there for one hundred and sixty pitches. He he never was old enough or 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 pitching for what a uh, Long Beach State or something. Yeah. Uh, position of problem for the Padres, what it seems like forever, has been catcher. You have two guys there that, 
you know, don't project too well. Obviously, Austin Hedges still cannot hit. Uh, we hope that he can somehow learn how to hit within the next offseason, I guess. You know, kind of explain the projections for Mejia and Hedges and how, they out, how the outlook looks. Well, honestly, I don't think the pro- I mean, the projections aren't that great. You don't look at them like Tatis and go, wow, that's amazing. Uh, but they're not horrendous. <laughs> no, they're not horrendous. They, they still project combined to be a better than average catcher overall. Uh, the, the thing is that there's a tricky thing about young catchers. They seem to develop very oddly. Some of them don't hit until very late. Some of them stop hitting all of a sudden. And there seem to be a lot of, 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 of guys like that who are promising and then just disappears. I think of, I think of Ben Petrick, uh, Pete Rick, excuse me. Yes. Uh, 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 for the Rockies. He, <laughs> Rockies. <laughs> uh, ben Davis, uh, Javier oh. Valentin. Uh, you're, I remember when uh, Charles Johnson came up initially. Uh, wow. He was he was actually a good offensive catcher, but that dropped off. And he's in the second half of his career, he was just a glove only guy. Uh, and then you have guys like like Mickey Tettleton, if you remember Mickey Tettleton. He oh, was nice. as a prospect. Tettleton was considered a defensive prospect who wouldn't hit. Which really? Is, yeah, that's what he was considered. Um, he was a moose up there. <laughs> but but then when he started hitting, his defensive reputation dropped off. The um, There was a, 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 an early sabermetrician in Usenet in the early 90s named Sherry Nichols. Uh, and she coined what we all call the Nichols Law of Catcher Defense, uh, which is that a catcher's defensive reputation is inversely proportional to their offensive reputation. Um, mm. And Pendleton was a good example of that. But um, so you, you've seen, you know, they kind of have this odd development cycle, let's just say, because Mejia, I mean, he didn't destroy the minors. He destroyed, you know, low A ball, mid A ball, uh, but he didn't put up like huge triple A numbers. He had like a 750 OPS in triple A for the Indians, uh, better for the Padres, but he's not someone who was like, you know, slam dunk. He's going to be, you know, an 800 OPS guy in the majors. And he wasn't bad offensively, even with, with the Padres. Uh, he's still in, in, in a lot of ways, a defensive work in progress. And, and Austin Hedges is, I mean, not similar in type of player. He's kind of the opposite uh, as Mejia, but he's also a guy that has had kind of weird offensive development. Like first he didn't hit in the minors. Then in AAA, he like became an offensive God for like a year. Uh, and then he's he struggled uh, offensively in the majors, but he's also an excellent defensive player. And you you see from the war projections that that he's still projected to be valuable. Uh, his framing numbers have been consistently excellent with 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 the team. So it's kind of an odd two person tandem they have. But I think if the Padres are creative, they can make it work and have you know a two headed three win catcher every year. Oh. Yeah, I think that's what they're striving to to accomplish is for them to get the best out of both of them, because they do they do provide so much you know offensively for Mejia and defensively for Hedges. It's just getting them to work as a cohesive unit is going to be the issue. But hopefully they're able to do that. Um, let's go ahead. Oh, and I, I've been asked like a question about this before. Someone asked me, well, what do the Padres do? If Austin Hedges hits and Mejia plays better defense, I'm like, why would they worry about that? Who's yeah, ever exactly. had a problem? Like, like yeah. having too many good players at a position has never been a problem for a team in the history of baseball. 
it's, yeah, it's exactly. not like no one's ever said, "Oh, we have too much good pictures." Yeah, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> if you have too many good catchers, you can trade one. You're allowed to trade players. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Players good in point. the context of baseball are liquid assets. It'd be like the best thing ever. Like, cool, we can decide who we extend long term and and who we trade for a picture or something. Uh, yeah, that would exactly. be great. It's like, why you were why are you, why were you worrying about this? <laughs> Padres and Padre fans can only hope that, that they have this problem uh, come come uh, middle of the year in 2020. Uh, let, let's move on to Tommy Fan, someone I'm I'm really excited to see interact with his teammates. Someone I'm I've heard so many stories about demanding accountability and such in the locker room. Uh, Zips has a high projection for Fam as usual. Give me a little bit about Fam and what he's going to bring to this uh, kind of complacent San Diego Padre team, if you will. Yeah, he, he he does have an excellent reputation in the clubhouse. Uh, he he's he's very outspoken, which which did backfire a little with the Cardinals. Uh, he unfortunately, I mean, he didn't make the majors until he was in his late twenties. So the problem for Fam is that when he hits free agency, he's going to be what like thirty, going to his age thirty four season, I believe. Uh, so he was a little, a little, had some, let's say, say money disputes with the team, which is understandable. Uh, of course, it's kind of cool that, that if you're traded for money disputes to be traded to the Rays, uh, of all teams, like they're not going to pay you. Uh, but I, I mean, he, he can play center field. The, um, the, uh, Padres obviously don't need him to play center field, but he, 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 he is an excellent left fielder. Um, uh, he, he. I mean, he's an all-around player. He gets on base. Uh, he hits for power. He has good plate discipline. There's nothing really to complain about in his game, which is good because, you know, I make my living finding things to complain about. So if I'm not complaining, <laughs> then, then it's pretty good. So Dirks uh, and Profar is the new acquisition, obviously, with Tommy Pham. Uh, Zip seems to really like Profar, uh, for war numbers especially, but... You know, what's kind of the outlook on Profar? You know, this is a guy that hasn't really stayed healthy in his year, but do we think that we can get 20, I think it was 18 jerks in Profar that he had the really good year? Uh, yeah, that was that, that, that was, that was uh, with Texas, his last year in Texas before they traded him to Oakland. Uh, I, I, I think, well, you look at, at, at jerks in Profar, and he, his batting average on ball in, balls in play last year, his BABIP, uh, was 218. And for a hitter, 218 is not remotely. I mean, we were, we were just talking about Tatis and hitting 400. That's not remotely uh, an ability. Hitting 218 is not an ability. Uh, people will like say to me, "But Dan, what if it is?" I'm like, "No, it isn't." And then I say, "Okay, you remember Randy Johnson as a hitter? You guys remember Randy Johnson as a hitter?" No. <laughs> oh well, to anyone who did it, Randy Johnson was the most awkward hitter of all time. He stood <laughs> at the he's. He stood at the plate yeah. like this confused Wendigo, <laughs> awkwardly flailing at at pitches, uh, because like he had, he had like bend over like five feet to bunt, uh, but <laughs> his batting average on balls in play for his career as a hitter was like two thirty eight, wow. and you're, you're not going to tell me. I mean, pitchers tend to be around two twenty to two thirty, and you can't tell me that a legitimate major league hitter is going to be worse at hitting them where they ain't than the random picture being thrown up there. I mean, that's that, that that's nonsense. Uh, nobody's a 218 ba- BABIP guy. And even with the 218 BABIP, I mean, he still had a 700 OPS uh, for the A's. He had a pretty lousy start. 
uh, and that you know that kind of came around to an extent uh, uh, down the stretch. I, I think he'll be fine. He'll would you give a guy like you know a two sixty from a two twenty? I mean, you're talking forty points, a slugging forty points of on base percentage just from batting average. That's eighty points of OPS right there. Even even assuming everything added is a single. Uh, so I'm 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 pretty positive about Profar. He's the he's the player that. The A's thought they were getting, and they didn't really get it in 2019. But the Padres will get it in 2020. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll have a good year. I mean, he's heading into a contract year. He's still young enough to cash in on that contract year. So I think, he, if anything, he's definitely motivated to perform this coming season. Yeah, I mean, ever, he, he's definitely motivated. And it's, it's just nice to see him actually established as a regular again because yeah. his career... We heard about was, it for so long, right? Yeah, I mean... From 2013 to like 2017, he was mostly injured. Yeah, it was it was, it was just a mess of injuries. It was uh, and, and yeah, you hate to see that happen to a prospect because you know a lot of them have a severe injury and they get their careers back, and that's what you always want to see. Uh, I yeah. think of uh, D'Angelo Jimenez, who at the at the time with the Yankees, it was it was generally unsure among you know everyone, prospect watchers, stat guys. If Derek Jeter or D'Angelo Jimenez was the better prospect, uh, but Jimenez got in a bad car accident, messed up his spine for a while. He did come around to have a career, but he was never the same player again. But I always, it's always, I always like when it's it's hard not to root for for a guy who's lost so much time to injury and and uh, comes back. It's hard not to root for them. I think of I think of poor Danny Hudson, who had Tommy John surgery, came back. Instantly injured his arm again, had to have another Tommy John surgery. It's like Ugh. I've never been in that position, like to recover from an injury over a year, then have to do it all over again a second time consecutively. It's it's tough. D'Angelo Jimenez is a former Padre, by the way, too, traded to, for Jay Witasic of all people. Um, you know, you, we just mentioned uh, injuries. Uh, Anderson Espinosa is going through that right now uh, with the double Tommy John surgeries in two years. L- let's move into these prospects that the Padres have. Zips put out some uh, some numbers for the prospects. Uh, I see, in particular, Jorge Ona and Taylor Trammell get no love from the machine. Uh, is there anything in particular that you can give us on that? Uh, both outfielders uh, were in Amarillo this past season and are on the cusp of Major League Service time. Uh, yeah, the, the problem with Trammell is uh, that he, he just, I mean, he had a very promising 2018 uh, season uh, uh, in, the, in the Florida State League. And he, he was just, I, I don't know what the reason was. Uh, I think you might need to get one of my colleagues to, to, who watched him a lot, uh, uh, like Eric, Eric Longenhagen. I, I, he just he didn't hit with power. It was just a very disappointing year. It's, it's hard to see a guy. I mean, he's still very young. But you can see why the Reds felt a little more urgent about where they're where they are in contention. They didn't really have the luxury of waiting years for that. Uh, but the Padres, I mean, they're still at the end of a rebuild. They have the opportunity to look at these guys that might have upside, like like Trammell did. Uh, it's 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 it's. I mean, you you can't really you know throw in the towel on a guy of being a prospect because of one bad year like that. Uh, but he, he's not a sure thing anymore. He's, his game just doesn't translate to zips at all, it seems like, at all. Like, I thought about that. Like, if you asked me, you know, one player that I saw this year in Amarillo that, like, zips would probably hate, it's it's him. 
you know, probably not as much as it probably hates Buddy Reed, but it's it's just <laughs> one of those things that it just doesn't seem like it would. Those two things just don't go together. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, one one of the problems was is like his 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 high point this year was the walk rate. Right. And Zips tends to be skeptical of minor league walk rates. They don't tend to translate as well. Walk only guys tend Makes to sense. actually do pretty poorly in the majors. Uh, mm-hmm. You had to be more aggressive at, at at the plate in the minors, generally speaking. Uh, I, I I kind of the reverse of it is is Chris Bryant in a way. Uh, when Zips projected him very well in his rookie season, uh, like three and a half wins, and people said, "Aren't you worried about the strikeouts?" And I said, "I'm not worried about the strikeouts because strikeout guys don't generally have a translation problem if they're good players. Because when a guy is slugging 700, uh, it's smart baseball to be aggressive at the plate." When a guy has that slugging percentage, he's incentivized to, you know, hit as many pitches as he can. Uh, I wouldn't worry about the strikeouts in, in the majors. Obviously, he's not going to get to the majors to be Joe Sewell or something. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Chris Bryant was fine. I mean, he struck out a lot, but he was he was he was just fine. Uh, Tremel was not super aggressive at the plate, uh, and I, I think that a projection system who's going to translate that season pretty poorly is going to need to see more. I think. Yeah, he's can I mean, can anybody be more more polarizing uh, a minor leaguer right now? I mean, you get just get so many different opinions on on Tramiel and what he's capable of. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a big Framil Reyes fan, so I'm still I'm still hoping that he he finds his stride and makes that trade well worth it because Padre fans are still clamoring for for La Mole, if you will. Um, Dan, before we get you out of here, I have one last question. Uh, I saw Mr. Travis Radke on your list. Uh, you wrote a type of pitcher that good teams try to snag for free. Radke is is a pitcher that I love. That's someone that I've been hyping for a long time. He's not impressive with a velocity. No. He's <laughs> not going to impress you with just his stuff on the mound, but he throws strikes. He pounds the zone. He's constantly ahead in, against batters, and, and I just love – speaking and interacting with him. Give, give me a little bit about Radke and what, if, if the Zips machine is wrong in their, in their assumption that he's going to be a decent uh, player in 2020. Well, I mean, he's not someone that I would say, hey, let's, let's try to see if he can be a yeah. starter again. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But, I mean, as you said, he's a big, soft tosser. And, you know, even well-run teams, they sometimes they have so many guys to look through that there do seem to be some prejudices that, that take place. And when you see – I mean, he's a pretty big dude. And when you see a big dude who throws 91 – uh, you don't necessarily think, oh, that's the guy we have to get. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But, but he he he's been really really good at not allowing home runs. And a lot of times I'd say, oh, well, of course he is. He's against minor league pitchers. But you know, he pitched you know like two and a half months in AAA uh, in El Paso this year, and he only allowed a single run home run. And this is against you know the juicy ball we have now. That's yeah. That's what they gave to AAA this year and. Uh, which makes it even harder to say that there's no ball change involved. Uh, I, I'd like to see, you know, because, you know, they just had, you know, their blue ribbon panel about the home run. They said, oh, it's it could be a few things. It could be an approach at the plate. You're like, oh, so so every AAA hitter changed their approach at the plate in 2019. But nobody yeah. told the AA hitters uh, <laughs> to change their approach. How, what, how, what, what is the series event that could cause this to happen? Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of getting off the, the question here. Uh, but Radke, he survived the Pacific Coast League. And any pitcher who survives the Pacific Coast League in 2019 who doesn't allow home runs 
is someone that I want to look at. No, I'm not going to commit to him as my closer out of spring training or anything, but he's someone I would want to snag as, you know, my seventh or eighth reliever and teams are going to carry that many relievers. If I were, if I were consulting directly for a team in a way I could offer an opinion instead of just data, I would strongly recommend that, that rad key be looked at. Yeah. I think, I think more often than not players like that are what, who make the major league and, and, and perform admirably are the ones that are just kind of going under the radar and just kind of quietly going about their business and producing. And, and he's going to be that type of player. And that's encouraging that the Zips machine sees that as well. If he, um, continues, if he continues to to pitch well in, in the minors, yeah. I think the Padres will give him a chance because you, you look at, at, uh, at the bullpen as it's constructed and it has a lot of guys who aren't the type. It's like the anti-Rockies bullpen. The Rockies... Mm-hmm. Essentially, their basis for for acquiring relief pictures was essentially we remember them from 2014. Uh, yeah. That's 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 their yeah. you know, the thing. But I mean, nobody wanted Kirby Yates. Nobody wanted you know some of the pictures that they thrown up there. Uh, Brad Hand. Yeah, no, Brad Hand was not a big name. Uh, uh, no. uh, David Bednar. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that in the organization. And I think, given some of the people they have in the organization, like, like I know, there's no way I haven't talked to him about it. Obviously, but there's no way that Dave Cameron hasn't looked at 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 at, at some of these guys that we're talking about. For sure, for sure. And obviously, Dave Cameron is a fan Fangrass alum who works in the Padres uh, organization now. You know, my biggest fear with Travis Radke the first time I heard of him is I was I was saying to myself, please don't have him be you know Brad Radke's kid. Because I I hate being reminded of how old I'm getting, that I'm in my 40s now. Because (laughs) I used to be one of the young guys in Sabermetrics, Dave Cameron and I. Um, He's like a year and a half younger than me, I believe. Uh, We used to be the young guys, but we're not the young guys anymore. Now we're like these grizzled veterans somehow. And I don't know. You turn into Bill James or you turn into Bill James now or what? No, Bill James is more famous and he's done more than I I ever will. But but it it feels weird because, you know, I talk to, uh, you know, young writers who are interested in my work or people like, I loved reading you growing up. I'm like, Oh God, how old are you? <laughs> uh, so I was, I was really happy that when I searched, there was no reference to Travis Radke being Brad Radke's kid. I was like, yes, yeah. I'm not that old. Yes. <laughs> sure. I yeah. call, but that, those sure. days are coming though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I call, I call Cody Bellinger, Clay Bellinger all the time because I remember his dad, the utility infielder. It's, oh, it's, man. it's yeah. <laughs> it happens, right? We all turn into that seventy-year-old uh, announcer that that, that that says the the wrong names like Harry Carey. I'm too young. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 41. This is this is this is too young for that. Dan, you're younger than me. You just got to stop complaining. <laughs> uh, I like to complain. <laughs> uh, all right, Dan. Thank thank you so much for your time. You know, before we we get you out of here, I'd like just one final impression of this Padre team. Uh, anybody in particular you're excited for 2020 uh, on the squad? Well, Tatis, obviously. I think he's yeah. going to be a monster, uh, monster season. I think we've we've talked about him, but I don't think we can talk enough about him. Uh, I, I think that the center field, um, not platoon, but kind of Cordero, Margot combination, I think that's going to be better than a lot of people think. Okay. okay. I know people aren't aren't excited about, you know, Margot and, 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 and Franchi. Uh, but I, I, I think they're going to be good. But Tatis is, oh, I'm still looking forward to Tatis. He better stay healthy this year or I'm going to sue someone. I don't know who, <laughs> but 
I'll figure yeah. it out. You and Padre fans are going to sue someone for sure if he's not oh, able to. I'm also happy her. about the, the the brown uniforms. Yes. Well, I've we didn't so talk about. Angry. I've been so angry about those. I hate those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The creative. Team. Isn't it you that called them the generic? Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're playing a video it? game that Diamond Dynasty has like a franchise feature, <laughs> and you say create a team, and it gives you okay. Generic team one, and then you select the uniforms. That's where the Padres uniform was, but now they have brown and yellow. Yeah, yeah. the proper the proper Joe Padres color scheme. It has to be something that you want to eat on a hot dog. If it makes you think, you have to be able to describe it all in in, in like types of mustard. You say, oh, that's that's Dijon <laughs> and and spicy brown. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that that that's that's a uniform. Now you're in business. No there red you because you shouldn't be putting ketchup on a hot dog. No. Then the the plain generic white ice cream man uniforms <laughs> were, were were just bad, very bad. Yeah, and and of and of course, you know the the players' weekend uniforms were everyone the where everyone looked like they were playing human chess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so all right. bad. Uh, Den, thank you so much for your time. Uh, senior writer for Fangraphs, creator and caretaker of the Zips Machine, uh, overlord of his cat empire. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, a little bit of a Christmas special. We we appreciate your time very much, Dan. Have a great holiday and a Merry Christmas to you. Thanks a lot, guys. You too. And I'm sure we'll do it again like we do every year, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you, Dan. Have a good one, man. You say.